This week, Viewfinder family, we are honored to have the new CEO of the North American Veterinary Community, Gene O'Neill. You'll want to stick around for this one. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. If we're going to tackle these tough topics, we need an organization. And for many of us, the North American veterinary community, the NAVC, home to the VMX conference, is the place to have that impact. And today, we are so happy to bring you an exclusive conversation with the new CEO, Gene O'Neill, who has a phenomenal story. I think you will see why I am so thrilled that he is at the helm. But before we get into all of that, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And guys, NAVC has been a part of my life for a long time. In fact, I'll just date myself a little, Becky, goes back to the Eastern States conference time. So that's a long time ago. And many of you are kind of going, what's he talking about? Well, there was something way before NAVC conference and VMX, and we'll get into all that. So I've seen a few people come and go over the years, but I'm really excited that the person who has just ascended to CEO position has not only been within the organization for many years, but he also has a deep love and interest in the veterinary industry in general. And so without further ado, I want to introduce someone that I'm really lucky to call a friend and now the CEO of NABC, Gene O'Neill. Gene, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, Ernie. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's it's great, and and I, certainly we want to talk about you know COVID nineteen and what the amazing response that NAVC I think is mounting against COVID nineteen and how we can continue to unite our profession. But before we get into that, maybe tell some of our viewfinder family a little bit about how you got here. I mean, you're a CPA and you've done a yeah. lot of stuff, but you know, so yeah. give us a brief glimpse into the journey of Gene. Sure. I, I, I'd love to, because I think my story, and I love my story. Um, I love what I've done throughout my career because it's helped me. Um, everything's helped me along the way to get, get me to where I am now. Um, but it's, it, it's a pretty uh, interesting story. Yes. CPA, uh, accountant by trade, but I've held a lot of positions that really, uh, I've benefited, benefited from as far as the experience. So I've held positions as a general manager uh, uh, for one part of my career, I was a general manager of the spring training facility where the Kansas City Royals uh, uh, had their spring training in Florida wow. for about eight years. Uh, I've worked at SeaWorld, uh, headed up a couple of departments there. Uh, the, the position I had, the company I had before I came to NABC, uh, I was actually lucky enough to, uh, to head up as an interim CEO an, uh, an institute in Sydney, Australia. Right. Uh, so I lived, I lived there for about four months. So uh, I've done a lot of things, not just debits and credits. Uh, <laughs> I've done more on the operational side than accounting side. And like I said, it's helped me to get into this position now. I came into NABC about seven years ago as their CFO. Right. right. So um, I sort of took a second uh, uh, a back seat, if you will, to the CEO, but we worked very closely together in crafting uh, crafting the plan and the direction for NABC when we came in. We both came in around the same time. And when we came in, you know, we were a, a, a one conference, one event association. And now we have 
you know, the, the largest educational event in the world for veterinarians, right. uh, as well as uh, as well as a myriad of other programs and services. So we've doubled the size of NAVC in a short uh, seven years. But again, you know, I was the finance guy. I was the budget guy, uh, got into a little bit of the operations. But I think the experience I've had here, plus my previous experience, really fits me well to be sitting in this position right now. Well, Gene, you know, Becky and I have been really fortunate enough to to work with NAVC in a variety of levels over the years. And, and I will say this, you know, your presence was felt immediately when you came on. You were always a sort of a guiding force there, in my opinion. You know, we certainly, Tom was was full of ideas, bold, audacious, you know, really aggressive. But you were, seemed to always be the, the, the person who said, okay, that sounds great. How are we going to pay for it? How is this going to deliver value to our, our, you know, attendees and our members? So I, I, I will say I've always been super impressed with your demeanor, your thoughtfulness. You know, you seem to be a visionary individual as well, which we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But also, you know, Becky, maybe this is a good time to talk about some of NAVC's initiatives towards veterinary technicians and broadening sort of the the appeal. I think it's always a good time to talk about that. <laughs> so, Gene, talk to us a little bit about, you know, where you know, I, I think one of the things that started to really shift over the past five years in particular is the emphasis on all support staff. You know, I mean, let's face it, back Eastern States, NAVC, you know, really those conferences were geared towards veterinarians. But now there seems to be a much broader reach towards all support staff. Sure. And and you, and you can see how that could really uh, develop itself because uh, as as the industry grows for veterinary professionals, it's not just veterinarians, but as the professionals within that industry, which encompasses everything that you say, it's all the technicians and nurses, the front uh, the front office staff, the practice managers. So so what we so what we've done at NABC is, and, and we are an educational organization, but we're really be, built on data. So we collect a lot of data from all of the all of the market segments that that really fit into this um, in, into this professional um, industry, and then we craft the educational needs for each segment uh, of the industry. It's all the veterinarians, it's all the nurses and technicians, it's all the front staff, it's all the program managers, it's all the students. So we we try to hit, and I think we do, every segment of the veterinarian professional industry. So it's not just a veterinarian association anymore. It really encompasses more than that. Yeah, and I, I will continue to applaud you, and, and Becky will continue to uh, prod you to do more and more for support staff, especially uh, veterinary technicians. But I want to also sort of touch on, you know, this this theme about it's not just a one conference anymore. I mean, there are a myriad of publications, websites. Mm-hmm. Maybe speak to that, you know, part of of the growth because I think, especially during this time of COVID nineteen, we're realizing that wow you know, conferences maybe are more fragile than we thought or have ever experienced. But, you know, I think one of the things that's poised NABC for success is you were already in lots of other platforms. So maybe speak to that part of your, your plan. Sure. Because, um, so, so, so when I came into the organization, I said, I came in as a CFO, um, my, my biggest risk area was the fact that we had just the one event pretty much the one event that carried the organization throughout the year. So having, as you can imagine, having all your eggs in one basket right. for somebody like me, when I come and look at it, there are a lot of sleepless nights. 
you know, yeah, about yeah. what would happen. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm scenario planning everything. So it was our, it was our design when we, when we started this project, if you will, seven years ago, we had 95% of our revenue coming in from one event. So what, what our target was to get that down, to actually reduce that percentage down to about 50%. And through the years, what we've done with increasing other programs, we purchased our first magazine in 2015. Uh, that was our first one. That was uh, today's veterinary practice. Right. Now we have six magazines that we, that we have. So we're expanding our media presence. We've increased the reach for our institute program, which is our hands-on workshops that we have once a year here in Orlando. And then uh, we, we've done other things as well to supplement those programs, like uh, a certification program. Or now we have a virtual VMX program, which is, you know, it, it's pretty prescient when you think about what we're going through right. today with, with virtual learning and distance learning. This new program that we're rolling out is really taking off. So we were able to reduce that percentage of just from our activity from VMX down to about 60% right now. So it's still going along the path that we wanted it to. So our plan is coming together. My plan now will come together as far as branching out all these other programs that we have to even the flow of business throughout the year, not just once a year. Yeah. And I love that. And I'll tell you that this is the direction that we need to head in. Uh, we do need to broaden our reach and appeal, not just to different members of the industry, but also like, as you mentioned, whether it's print magazines, websites, you know, online learning certifications. I mean, this is the future and I really applaud you. The other thing too, Gene, I love what you mentioned because you, you recognized, and I, I, I really give you credit largely for a lot of this. Your thinking was, Hey, we're, we're vulnerable here, right? I mean, you know, we've got all of our eggs in this one NAVC conference basket. And what if, you know, competition enters or the, mm -hmm. the Orlando, you know, gets shut down, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Wow. What are we going to do? So I love that you branched out. But this is also, I think, a byproduct of consolidation, right? A lot of these elements, platforms, offerings are now being rolled up into one, you know, NAVC entity, right? Sure, sure. Uh, the NAVC umbrella is very broad at this point. So it, it encompasses, like I said, more than just the in-person event. And I believe you'll always have a need for those in-person events. I think coming right, out of this... Right. Out of, out of this period, this pandemic, I think that what's going to happen is you'll see more changes in business structure. But I think you will still have the need to have that to have that ability to 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 meet to network with your peers in person rather than just do it remotely. And again, I, I want to get your prognostications on 2021 in just a little bit, but I do want to stay focused just a second on what's happening with NABC right now. So uh, you ascended to CEO status at arguably one of the most challenging times in our history, certainly in modern history. I mean, you, you're taking over right now during a global pandemic where, quite frankly, your biggest asset still is, is yeah. vulnerable. And, and, you know, uh, we don't know. I mean, certainly we hope that it'll, everything will be, you know, somewhat back to normal. So tell me a little bit about how has that felt? I mean, you know, of course, you've been with NAVC for a long time, but nothing like this. No, no, nothing like this at all. But, you know, I, the one good thing is that I feel uh, pretty comfortable about is we're not doing this alone. Right. You know, everyone else is going through the same thing. So it's always learning the best practices, who's doing what better than we are, who's doing something that we're not doing. But I can tell you that 
right now, uh, this week, we've started planning, you said, for 2021, and I don't have a crystal ball what's going to happen. However, I just don't want to hope nothing happens, right. right? So I want to be prepared. And I think coming out of this uh, the, this current situation, there's going to be some changes in some of the guidelines when you have big meetings. I don't know if they're going to be, but you know, with the six foot, you know, social distancing, how how is that going to impact a conference that draws eighteen thousand people? Right. As far as you know, walking through the exhibit hall or sitting in a session, a classroom, it's going to have some impact. So we've got to prepare ourselves for that as well. The the event again, we're planning on it happening. However, I think the change in the way we present it, you'll see some different elements there. So, you know, it, it's, it's different to have uh, a staff that you're working with remotely. It's, it, it's hard for, um, for, for me personally to have the discipline to sit at my office at home, get up in the morning and stop at a certain time like I normally would do when I'm right. in the office. So right. I have a greater respect for those people who work remotely now. Yeah. Yeah. And Gene, I think we're all struggling with setting boundaries with the work from home conditions. Uh, you know, we actually, uh, in one of uh, my businesses, we had to send out a memo to remind people that, Hey, Saturday night, eight o'clock, you don't have to be working. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as much as you might feel yeah. like you need to do something, it's good to take a yeah. break, but, but let's get back to this. So, you know, um, I, I, I love the fact that you're planning ahead because, you know, January, uh, 2021 will be here before we know it. Uh, and, and, I do, Gene, unless there's just really some kind of miraculous breakthroughs, I think we're still going to be facing social distancing, for example. How, I mean, what are your, what are you thinking? Like, how, how would this work? I mean, is it every other seat would be maybe in a, in a lecture hall or what does it look like? You know, it's, it, again, everyone has a prediction on what they think it's going to be, but those predictions get refined as circumstances change. And sure. uh, again, I think we'll be, so, so, so there's two Two things you have to consider. One is going to be we're we're holding this event in a um, a, a government quasi government owned facility, so they're going to have their own rules and regulations that we can abide by, and we will enforce those. The other side of that is what's the acceptance from the marketplace yeah, on right. some of those guideline changes? Even if we were to say, even, even if miraculously there was some bell that rang or some whistle that blew and said, "Hey, everybody, back to the way you were before." I don't know if there's going to be that acceptance for people to want to right. do that, right? So that's that that's the unknown, and that's and you can't predict what that's going to be, right? And I guess you really won't be able to measure that until you know people start signing up and and you know right paying paying right. money. So yeah, yeah, and and so do you see this as sort of in the future, maybe you know multiple distribution, like there's a live. Orlando based event, and then there's an online offering as well. I mean, do you see it sort of simulcasting or whatever? So, yeah, yes, and that great point because last year we had uh, we had started down the path of simulcasting some of our sessions for a specific purpose, and that was right. overseas to some to some of the countries in Africa. We were just going to try the. Uh, personalized simulcast to a certain area. We never got down that path, but I think, again, coming out of this, if you're not doing something along those lines, if you're not doing something that presents uh, that you recognize the fact that there are virtual opportunities, I think you'll, it would be very conspicuous by its absence that we're not doing it. So I think we've got to embrace that. I think we've got to look at ways we can do that uh, more more efficiently 
and and do it in 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 um, in tandem with the with the live events. But you could also do something throughout the year as well. Yeah. I've seen I've seen virtual conferences pop up in the, in the recent uh, couple of weeks. Hey. That we're supposed to be live. Yeah, well, Becky, uh, you know, <laughs> Becky, that's a great time for you to kind of jump in there. Shameless plug. I well, sure. I was thinking, <laughs> let me know if you need help because we are already taking <laughs> lead on the virtual conference, and this actually wasn't one that was already supposed to happen. You know, we put one together in light of the fact that all of the CE was being lost, and we just found that you know really devastating. So. Plugging Vet Team Global Stream 2020. Vet Team Global Stream, <laughs> May 16th and 17th. Tune in. Uh, <laughs> but Gene, you know, again, yeah. that's that is a marketplace solution. Becky and and three of her friends, all veterinary technicians, all female, I might add, uh, decided that they didn't like what was happening. They didn't feel it was good enough, and they went out and solved it. And in remarkable time, I mean, Becky, you guys have thrown this thing together in six weeks, maybe. Yeah, basically, I think <laughs> we have about wow. seven weeks. Put together a, a conference. And I mean, um, yeah, a, a remarkable amount of time, but I mean, circumstances have allowed for it, right? right. So it's been a sure. little bit different, but to meet that need, but, you know, I think it's looking at leadership um, like NEVC and these big organizations and saying, they really do it right. How can we take what they're doing and bring it to these, um, you know, other platforms and these other spaces? And, I think you're absolutely right, Gene. Everyone's going to kind of have to look at things a little differently moving forward with this. And it's very interesting to think about how an organization as big as NEVC and doing as, as much as they're doing with VMX will will adapt and adjust to this. It's I I, I, I wouldn't want the workload you have in front of you. Wow. Well, right. <laughs> well, you know, Gene, and two, there are unanticipated ancillary effects that could affect uh, NAVC. I'm sorry, VMX. You, I'm sorry, I'm old school. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> as Gene knows, we both uh, work with the SEVC, the Southern European Veterinary Conference, and you know, I'm very honored to, to be a longtime board member there. And one of the things we're discussing right now, Gene, is the availability of international flights, right? Because right. we right. don't know what that's going to look like. Like, will people be able to fly into Barcelona? Right. If so, will there be half the flights, a third of the flights? Yeah. Which is going to impact of course, attendance. And yeah. so same thing for uh, Orlando, right? You have a huge international contingency, but more importantly, you have people from Nevada, from Oregon, from Iowa who have to fly in. Right. And 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 it, Orlando being the, the number one tourist destination in the world should help a little bit. Right. But again, it, it, it gets back to that that comfort level, that acceptance from the public about attending an event like this that, that really um, that really has me concerned. And like you said, we can, we can manage that when we see the registrations coming in and, and, um, and the interest in exhibit booths and, and things like that. But overall, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the public has a short memory when it comes to stuff like that. I know they won't because we're still look what happened after nine 11. We're still practicing some of those things that were put in place, yeah, Good point. All, you know, all for the better. And and there are and there are certain things coming out of this that you would say you know that that makes sense, you know the handshakes and and j j just the crowding you know with, with, with people yeah temper and temperature checks right I mean all these things yeah there, there's some utility moving forward I think you're right 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 so I think there there are good things coming out of this so I think you have to change your business model you have to think about the way you done it before and not just get stuck in the old well that's the way we've always done it can't change. You have to change. You're going to have to do something different. 
Well, I guess kind of to that point, it makes me, you know, I know that NEVC is more than just VMX, right? So so I, we've spent a lot of time kind of on that. But so so kind of makes me think of two things. Like, number one, to your benefit, Gene, like you can totally lean into this COVID thing and be like, oh, yeah, COVID made us change it, right? And you have a yeah. little bit of freedom to do what you want. I recognize that. And I think you should run with it. But number two, like what else with NEVC other than VMX is, is in the horizon? Um, I know we've talked about like the online learning and stuff like that yeah. right like like but that's all around vmx what else is going on with nabc well you know when you say it's around vmx so uh, so vmx really is the engine that fuels everything we have right but like like i said before we're we're really based on data so everything that we get everything that you see as far as our classrooms as far as our uh the topics that we present um, the online learning classes, uh, the, the the blogs that we write, you know, a, a lot of that stuff is really based on what we get from the marketplace through surveys. You know, we we just uh, launched uh, a pretty landmark survey in the the voice of the veterinary community that 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 went out to the veterinarian uh, professionals as well as the uh, the pet owners. So we gather that information and then we see where the discrepancies are between. What, vet, what, what, what the veterinary professionals, what matters most to them and what matters most to the pet owners. And we take that and we say, okay, there's a, there's a discrepancy here. So let's develop some classes around education for the veterinarians as well as the pet owner. So this is data that we use. You, when you go to our Vetfolio platform, which is all virtual, you know, a lot of that stuff is generated from all of our events from uh, VMX, but it's also from other events as well, like like already said, SEVC, or some of our partners we have in South America. We take that content, maybe translate it into Spanish, and present it in a virtual format, digital format. So a lot of the stuff that we have is really built off of one another. Publications, the same thing. Okay, and I also know that you guys have some um, global initiatives and some responses to the current pandemic. Tell us what's going on there. Sure, Becky. Um, so um, we were all devastated by the bushfires that happened in Australia uh, back in the uh, end of last year, early this year, and we uh, so we did uh, we did uh, offer them some donations from uh, some of the attendees at BMX. We were matching donations, cash donations, and we also made other donations to those efforts. Uh, we're, we're all part of this global community, and we know how much people were hurting down there. Even some of our attendees who were at BMX were from Australia, so we want to make sure that we recognize this part of this community to help them out. So we were able to uh, make a, a nice, generous donation to that effort. And as far as this current pandemic, I, I think I'm really proud of the fact that we did a couple of things. And you know, unfortunately, we had to cancel one of our big events this year, and that's that was our Institute Hands-On Workshops that we have here in Orlando once once a year, a week-long intensive hands-on training. We got to cancel that, but but we did have a lot of equipment that we used for that: uh, gloves, uh, protective clothing, the, all the PP, uh, PPE stuff that that we're talking uh, talking about in the news all the time. Right. Rather than hold it till next year and say we'll just use it again, we took all that equipment and we donated it to the uh, uh, efforts here in Florida. So it was roughly a you know ten thousand dollar donation, but it was something that we felt we needed to do because we're all part of this on the human side and the animal side. They needed the equipment and we had it. The other thing we did out of this pandemic is we know that there's a lot of stress in in uh, in the industry now 
for everything, we didn't want to have the added stress of worrying about where do I get my CE? My my license is coming up. I need some CE. Where do I go? My hours might be cut. How can I afford it? Well, we've offered free CE on our online platform, Betfolio, just for that purpose, because we don't want to add to the stress that's currently out there. So these are things that I'm really proud of the organization can stand behind and say, we're all supporting this community, all supporting this effort. We're doing our part. Yeah. And again, you know, I I think what you're going to see under the leadership of of Gene O'Neill at NABC is a continued push on technology and, of course, getting innovative with what content you're seeing, which is huge because, you know, we look, Gene, this is an old, tired song as far as I'm concerned. But to be a successful veterinary professional, you have to have a lot more than just scientific knowledge and domain expertise. You have to have communication skills, right? You have to have marketing expertise. I mean, there's so many elements that go into success. And I think that's why I've always been so attracted to NABC because you have allowed people like me and Becky and others to sort of talk about quote unquote soft skills. These are essential skills in my opinion, but you know, really you were some of the first people in my life that actually embraced what I was doing in the nineties and going, you know, Hey, look, there's some value here. Let's, let's give this guy a podium. You know, so I'm forever, ever grateful for those opportunities, but I do want to kind of spend one, one area that, that we've talked to Tom bone in the past about this. And I really want to get your take on it. And Becky and I will tell you, we believe in the power of organizations. And so what I want to know is what are your plans for like making big, broad change? See, I think that we, we've discussed this. AVMA really is struggling to remain relevant in this age, in my opinion. And this is coming from someone who has dedicated a lot of their, their professional life to the AVMA. And still, I'm a strong supporter, but I will always continue to challenge. But, you know, here's the opportunity, Gene, you've got. You've got the largest conference. You've got arguably the largest platform, which means you've got the largest voice. What are you doing to sort of, you know, advocate on behalf of the profession at a regulatory level, governmental level, mm-hmm. you know, certainly at a, a, mm-hmm. a industry level? What are some of mm-hmm. those plans? Yeah. So two of the programs that we've really invested heavily in this past year is our advocacy program and to some degree our public relations efforts. So this keeps us, this keeps NABC, the brand NABC out there it's always in the spotlight and we're and and, and we're positioning ourselves as a leader in some of these issues that are coming up whether it be uh the one health act or telemedicine telehealth you know we're trying to get ourselves positioned so that we're the convener for other groups to come to and say what is nabc's position on this how do we how do we think about this we do a lot of it through uh, through one of the groups that we that that we formed in the Veterinary Innovation Council, where a, a group of industry leaders and academia, uh, other associations gather and talk about these topics that are out there that need to be addressed but haven't been. You know that they may have been uh, a pool of thought in certain segments, but together when we come together and talk about it we were the first ones to get out there and jump on the whole telehealth oh yeah the whole telehealth concept so that that's what we're trying to do we've started this grassroots efforts uh it's called embrace right which 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 allows those in industry to become an advocate for certain topics certain issues and you can you, you you can use it to write to your local representatives to have a voice on the um, on the political front or the or your local front, whatever it's going to be, 
but this is just a, something that we've started that has really taken uh, has really taken off. And and, and you'd be surprised because I was surprised of how much the elected officials really look to the grassroots efforts. I mean, that's what's keeping them in yes. their office. Yes. And you know, so when you sign up and sign up a petition or sign a letter to your local representative about the One Health Act, and they see the magnitude that's coming in from their constituents, it really does make a difference. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, so these are things that we're just trying to stay relevant with beyond the education piece. Yeah. Well, you know, as Spider-Man says, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> and this is one of those responsibilities. You know, I will say that that this is the one area that I think uh, you have the most opportunity to make the largest number of changes within the profession and really do the best, most good, you know, do have the best impacts. Right. So I really, right. you know, you know that Becky and I are always here uh, for NAVC and you, uh, and I'm on a personal level, you know how supportive I am of these initiatives. I just yes, want to, I, I appreciate I that. So, uh, strongly believe in organized, you know, thought and and that's how we move the needle. And and honestly, what I see, Gene, in my lifetime is that over the next decade, NAVC, when when a congressman or a senator gets a phone call from an NAVC representative, they take that phone call. They yes. go, oh, well, this is important. It's got to do with animal, animal welfare, whatever. So, you know, I'm going to continue to push that. Well, as we sort of wind up uh, today's conversation, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know how incredibly busy you are, especially during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. But what do you see for the veterinary profession, you know, over the next year or so? I mean, once we get on the other side of this, are there things that you're starting to, to, to hear, the trends that you're starting to, to see and observe? What are the things that are the bits of advice that you think, you know, our veterinary viewfinder family would like to hear? You know, I, I think the biggest thing uh, that's really taken, um, taken front um, center stage is this whole tele, telehealth or telemedicine, whichever you know, I know they're not a, sort of interchangeable, but the whole right. um, the whole um, ability to to have that interaction um, rather than face to face. I think you'll see that that will take a forefront in some of the conversations in releasing some of the regulations that they have for the veterinary professionals. You know, in on the human side, I was reading the other day where I think through through this uh, through the end of April, they've had over one billion different uh, circumstances of using telehealth. I saw that. So, you know, so now we need just to translate that back into the, into the pet space, because that's where it's going. That's where the next really rung of the ladder really is. So I, I think that would be one of the big things that we'll see. And, you know, we'll, we'll grab onto that and we'll do what we can to, to educate our, uh, our community on how best to use it, what the guidelines should be, um, you know, we'll, we'll roll with it from there, yeah. but, you know, a, a, as long as we're seeing some progress coming out of here in, in the way that, that some of the clinics are, are conducting their business, some of these practices will stay, but getting back to a, whatever the new normal is going to be, right. um, you know, can happen soon enough. And I will plug uh, one of the things, too, to watch, pun intended, is VetWatch. Uh, you mentioned this slightly earlier, Gene, but uh, it's a great new tool that NABC yeah. has put together. Maybe tell uh, tell our audience real quick about VetWatch.com. Yeah, yeah. So this is uh, we so we partner with uh, group uh, Analytics and uh, Circa Healthcare. To, yep. uh, it, it's, a, it, it's a new tool that, that really allows the veterinary professionals to track business trends 
uh, across the United States, which really is a real, almost a real time, uh, real time data uh, set for them so they can get into areas of uh, practice revenues and patient volumes and uh, purchasing practices. And it segmented into their geographic area as well. So again, this is that this is really updated, uh, real time information that they can use to make better decisions on how they're going to run their clinic. So we're really happy about this. And you know, Animalytics has been doing a lot of a lot of research and 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 data uh, data mining in this area. So we're really happy to be a part of this. And and it's going to be good uh, good information out there for uh, veterinarians once we get this out out and rolling. Yeah, it's super cool. Uh, viewfinders, you're probably familiar with Circa Healthcare because I'm always uh, lauding my dear friend over there, Steve Curtin, who is just remarkable. He was actually tasked with making all of this data into easily understandable, digestible, beautiful graphics even. So, yeah. so Circa yeah. is just knocking it out of the park. So check out yeah. vetwatch.com. You know, Gene, what I took away from the first early report is the fact that veterinary clinics across the country are incredibly resilient right now. You know, that was like super good news as far as I was concerned. Obviously, nobody's untouched, but, you know, most vet clinics weren't on the verge of going out of business, certainly not from that data. Right. And I think it just goes back to how much everyone loves their pets and want to keep them healthy and and living longer. So they'll do whatever they can to maintain that, to maintain that level of care. So, you know, you may see in some pockets where the industry has suffered with revenue, but I think in general across the, you know, across the board, it's, uh, it's held up pretty well. Well, you're helping us hold up pretty well, Gene. NAVC CEO Gene O'Neill, who has taken the reins of one of the largest organizations of veterinarians and veterinary professionals in the world during a global pandemic. So I got to tell you, there's a book deal on the other side of this gene. <laughs> so just get through it and you're going to be a hero to many of us. But Viewfinder family, we want to hear what you have to say. You know, this is a nice introduction to Gene O'Neill, NABC CEO. You know, if you have questions for him, definitely hit us up on social media. We'll be glad to forward them on or answer them any way we can. I really want to thank Gene for taking time to spend it with us today. Uh, he is incredibly busy and the fact that he is willing to just take time out of his schedule to to chit chat with Becky and I really means a lot to us. Oh, thank you, Becky. Thank you, Ernie, for ha- for having me, and I uh, would love to do this again. You bet. So, viewfinders, be sure hit us up on social media. Becky, tell them how they can connect with us. You can find us on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder, on Instagram and Twitter at Vet Viewfinder, and you can listen and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until next time, stay safe, guys, and give your pets a hug from me. Bye. 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 Bye, everyone. Perfect.